The Blockbusters Podcast is proud to be a member of the Pod Bros Network. You can find us as well as other fantastic podcasts such as Pencil and Ink Review, Another Damn Trivia Show, and The Language of Bromance at podbros.com, as well as on most other fine podcasting services. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to share and enjoy the Blockbusters Podcast. Another episode of Film Spotlight, a little side thing that we do every now and again where we try and get someone on and they get to talk about a film that they like and a film that they maybe don't like quite so much. I am Paul. And I am Brian. Yes, and uh, in case you're wondering why I normally do all the introduction, Brian has picked up yet another illness of some kind, so <laughs> I don't know Apologies how... for any coughing fits, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I don't get the chance to edit around because, well, my life has got a lot busier, so I have less time for editing now. So yay! Hey, all natural. We like it. All right. So this time around, we have, well, I guess I have no other way of introducing him other than the YouTuber Toden. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm just peachy. <laughs> Excellent. Well, good. Yes, and uh, sporting a lovely CinemaSin shirt there. I can see. That's self-branding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh dear. Uh, well, uh, as we normally do, we try and start with the film that you like first, and what myself and Brian will do is attempt to guess the genre of film that you have chosen. And I don't know if we've actually hit the nail on the head ever, but... <laughs> I don't think so, no. No, we've come close yeah. and we've taken the moral victory there, so... I'm <laughs> going to guess sci-fi. Oh, um... Okay. It, okay. Um, <laughs> now, is that, now, do you both guess, or... No, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. As, um, I would go with uh, suspense thriller. Not suspense thriller. Uh, not really sci-fi, but there's definitely some weird sci-fi elements. I'm taking it. I'm taking. It. <laughs> well, I, I I don't think it. Yeah, it's it's only sci-fi as in a ton of references, maybe. Yeah, that 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 counts for me. I don't care. <laughs> I just need to stick with my action comedy answer until I get it right. See, now you would have got it right. If you, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, damn it! Are you kidding? You would have hit it. Uh, All right. Well, why don't you let us know what <laughs> what film you've chosen then? Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, good mm. choice. <laughs> uh, I concur. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, obviously, yeah, it, it's a movie which I was a fan of the comic book series uh, as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping to reread that comic book series at some point. I have all the books on my shelf, and I do want to reread the. Uh, I never read the colored version, and so I'm hoping to collect the colored versions and read those. Because uh, I don't know if you ever seen the art of uh, of the comic books. Uh, I have indeed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but in the black and white version. It's more based on the storyline than the art, and several of the characters look very similar. But in the colored version, which came out after the movie came out, uh, you, it has a lot more. You know, you can see a lot more detail, and the characters actually look different. Ah. <laughs> and the movie is very much based on the on the six part comic book series. The volume one is practically line by line. Uh, the only thing really different between the uh, first part of the movie and the volume one of the comic book is that the song uh, is different than they play in the beginning. Uh, and that does, it, that's also you can, very noticeable because in the comic book, it actually tells you the tabs and the lyrics of the song. So if you want to play along, you could. Ah, that's kind of cool. I haven't had the mm -hmm. chance to read the comics. I've seen them and I obviously heard about them when I heard about Edgar Wright making Scott Pilgrim, and, mm -hmm. and I considered going out to buy them, but I didn't have the money to just go out and buy them. So I, that's that's why I've never had the chance. Well, obviously, 
Yeah. Uh, it would seem now I'm a fan and I feel Brian is a fan, <laughs> but uh, yeah. what, what we like people to do now is sell us on the film. So if someone is listening to this and hasn't seen it, why should they see it? <laughs> they should see it because it's an early 90s grunge punk movie, uh, except for it's made in the 2000s. So it came maybe a little later than it should have. But it's a fantastic movie. The editing is very interesting and um when once you know you don't have to apply any fan theories, but it's a it's a movie you can sit around and talk about all day long and always miss something. And it's just incredibly great if you think about from a first person perspective. Um the fact that the entire movie could just be based inside this one character's head is is you know, we'll give you a reason to rewatch it again and again. Yeah, I, I, I would concur with that. And <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've never tired of watching. Would, yeah, with me Go with ahead. comedies, I you know I don't normally like quote unquote stupid comedies that things just happen just to happen because they're dumb. But this one it happens in such an intelligent way. It's it's you know it's hard to think of the stuff as intelligent way, but it happens in such an intelligent way. It, it it comes off and and as unsmoothly as it is, it just comes off after you watch it for the first twenty thirty minutes, and you go, wait, did that just happen? And then the rest of it just goes off very smoothly because you realize anything can happen because you're seeing it from a from an odd perspective. In my mind, that I don't that turns some people off, but. You know, I think that's what turned off the audience in the theaters because it didn't do too well in the movie theaters. I saw it three times in movie theaters and it was never to a full crowd. But every time I really, really enjoyed it in the theaters and, and I own it now and I still enjoy watching it every time. And it really has found a home once it, once it went on DVD. It really found a, a place in cult classics very fast. Yeah, I, I'm, obviously it helped that Edgar Wright was at the helm of this thing. And I, I've, when trying to describe this film, I have come up with nothing better than to say this is what a live action anime would be like. Because yeah. there's just that's so a much, great description. there's so much stuff in there. Oh, yeah. and it's, it's probably also the reason why my wife walked out of it. Because she's, because <laughs> she's not an anime fan. So, well, the books were one of the first, uh, um, English type, not, cause I can't call an American cause they were made in Canada, but the, the books were one of the first, like, Magna style books that weren't in Japan, but they, you know, but that's how they kind of put them out. I mean, they weren't really, uh, Magma, I can't pronounce that word correctly, but manga. they weren't, you know, they weren't manga, but, they were the the North American style art inside the inside those books. I mean, you could tell it was inspired, but it was very different. And that actually helped sell the book and inspired other artists to write books in that in that way because they became marketed towards women because they're able to easier to put those books inside their purses. Um, and that's kind of mm -hmm. interesting the way like uh, Spider Man Mary Jane started selling a lot more when they switched that format because. I, you know, because it's just a new style of books that weren't manga, but that's a, I don't know if they really made any manga references. They've made a ton of video game references, though. <laughs> yes, <okay. laughs> yes, indeed. I, not a game at all. Yeah, and I'd say the closest they come is when you have the super vegan who is both a su Superman and almost a Goku type character. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the fact that he played Superman, it just makes yes. it so much better. <laughs> yeah. um, well, before we kind of get into some of the other people in it, then, um, so what about this film spoke to you? Like, why did you go back and see it two more times? Well, I'm a big punk fan, and the fact that it's, you know... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got pull up the you know who the most of the soundtrack was done by Beck, and the soundtrack is phenomenal, and yes, I I just love the comedy in it. Uh, I think one of the greatest lines that got me was when uh, um, Scott Pilgrim, uh, Michael Sierra's character, which I surprised he was able to pull this character off, but. Uh, <laughs> 
when he's talking to Julie and then she just starts cussing and there's all these weird bleeps and noises to censor her. And he just goes, how are you doing that with your mouth? <laughs> yeah. And it just sets it up. Like, I, I, it's like, yeah, that's exactly how I would react to. Yeah. My absolute favorite bit in the entire film is just almost a throwaway thing when Knives turns up. And it's uh, Kieran Culkin who answers the door. And she's like, oh, is Scott here? And then you just see him go flying through the window and he goes, oh, he just left. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, like, just, just oh, that. Fantastic. Yeah, so many great little bits like that. Or when they're saying, this band needs stalkers. And then they see her in the window and if, and it does the title sequence again. And her, her title changed to stalker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it. The little throwaway bits really make that movie great. Even the little uh, uh, Seinfeld intro music they put in the middle of the whole thing. <laughs> but all those things just make it just repeatedly watchable. You know, it just—I mm-hmm. never tire of it because of those. Yeah, and I—I um, I normally ask what's your favorite moment or scene, but we will be here for the next two hours if I. You're right. Into that. <laughs> so, uh, how about then? Uh, and this is going to sound insane to anyone that hasn't seen the film. Which is your favorite X? Ooh. Ooh. Um, <laughs> my we all get the answer, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, he gets to go first. Okay. <laughs> I, I think the girl is my favorite X. The, I, she was the fourth one, I believe. Uh, she, she's the third one to turn up but i think she's the fifth she's... one they deal with mm, okay that sounds right yeah yeah because she, she yeah. turns up in an alley and then just kind of disappears and then you meet one or two more and then she turns up again right um, which is awesome because she does that a couple times in the book but it's funny because he actually had there's another ninja that does the same thing to him but he's not even he's not in the movie the other ninja right. um yeah, that, that that and that really makes it interesting because he doesn't know who's doing it because it's two different ninjas uh, 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 doing very similar things to him, and he never does find out who the other ninja is, but the audience finds out. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, hmm. how about you then, Brian? What's your favorite X? Oh, absolutely, Lucas Lee. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was I true. love Lucas Lee. Uh, that's, <laughs> Captain that's America actually hilarious. Himself. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah and, and there's one also of my a lot so, of ahead. little tiny disses to um oh what's his name he was in um uh um to uh to another skateboarder turn actor uh turn Scientologist uh what's his name um J- uh, Jason yes him Jason um, Lee. yeah Jason Lee yes <laughs> we're yes together we can all right yeah we got it <laughs> nerd power unite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I do like. I, I think get my favorite line of his is just when he's walking away after the stunt guy is starting his his uh, role, and then he's just reading something. And he just goes, hey, "That's actually hilarious." And that's just <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys want a coffee? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I just love his epic grind into his demise. Was yeah, yeah beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it just keeps cutting back to just whoa. <laughs> yeah, and they even cut off the low at the end. Yeah. The editing is, is it's it was so simple, but yet it, it was so effective. There now there was uh, um, mistakes made in the editing as well. If you saw it in the theater, you might actually see that the the they very much made it for digital, but in the theater. Uh, has the extra crop around, uh, you know, around, around, around the, the video. And so some of the titles are actually cut off in the theaters. Oh. Uh, so that really made me go, the editing's both great and also breaks my mind, except unless someone else redistributes it differently. But then on the DVD, it looks fine. Uh, so, so what, he was Ukas Lee in the cinema, was he? Or did they just cut off the edges? <laughs> Well, a lot of the graphics, like when, uh, in the movie, when they do, when they do the room layout, uh, where it has whose stuff belongs to who, yeah. some of the titles are actually cut off a little bit. Right. 
Oh, okay. That's well, now you don't see that in, you know, it obviously was fixed since then. But. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If I, I can just jump love in. those things oh, like yeah. that. Like when I first saw the first Thor movie, I actually saw it in an, in a, in an analog, uh, theater when all, you know, it was one of the few theaters that didn't go digital yet. And you were able to see boom mics, uh, in several shots because, because the crop difference between sending it digitally and doing it analog is, if you saw an analog, uh, in an old style theater, you actually see the boom mic all the time. <laughs> but you go see it in a projector theater, you didn't see the, the, the boom at all. And I think it was just two different people did it and one person didn't know exactly what he was doing. So. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, I, I I'm a nerd. I, I noticed that. <laughs> you're you're safe here. Yeah. Yes, this is the same. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, no, but, I did want to just ask. This thought just occurred to me a little while ago. But um, do you think this film has anything to do with the success of, say, a film like Deadpool? In that it was a unique film experience that people weren't accustomed to seeing. Like the the way the narrative unfolded in the sight gags and in jokes. I mean, do you think there's any connection there at all? Yes, absolutely. And I, and the movie got approved, uh, like the, the movie rights got bought after the third book, knowing that there's going to be three more books and Edgar Wright. And I'm just going to go ahead and Google the, the, the writers of the, of the book's name here. Um, yeah, I used to know, but I can't off the top of my head. I just can't get it. Uh, I think it's I think it's like O'Grady or something. Um, Leo, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Brian Lee O'Malley. So him and Edgar Wright actually talk through a a lot of it, and in the movie they actually use the first ideas of what the books were going to be, especially in the fifth and sixth axes, which were the brothers. So that means the girl had to be the fourth. Um, Yeah, because the brothers were the five and six. Yes, they were. And they're very different in the book, but he wanted to do that epic fight, the, the music battle in the book, but he just couldn't figure out how to draw it. But the point is, is that the book itself was very comic book and probably was inspired by Deadpool because Deadpool was huge at that point in the comic books. Everyone loved the yeah. Deadpool comic books. And that's why the movie ever even got made was because people wanted a Deadpool movie very, very badly. <laughs> and thankfully that footage was leaked. <laughs> Whoever did it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, leaked. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> leaked in quotes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, I imagine that everyone here has seen the Deadpool. Was it from from comic to screen to screen documentary where he says like there's only four people that could possibly have done it and no one's owning up to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it was Reynolds. I I'm convinced. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think. He, the chances of it being anyone but him, I think, are very slim. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. So yeah, but, but it's funny because I'm looking through the the cast of Scott Pilgrim and Michael Cera is he's not in a lot of things I like, and he definitely changed the character of Scott Pilgrim. Uh, I mean, well, the stories are different too because in the book, the entire story takes place about a year, um, and the whole battle of the dancing was just for the movie in order to condense it, obviously, because different mediums. Um, you know, in the, in the movie, it takes place under maybe what, two, three weeks. In the books, it's a full year. Uh, and oh. they changed the story from, uh, Scott Pilgrim being kind of a slacker, punk type kid. Uh, and and he grows up. It's a coming of age story. How he kind of becomes an adult. Uh, um, you know, he because he goes from this jobless guy who doesn't need a job, doesn't want a job, to getting a job, and then kind of adulting, uh, <laughs> learning how to adult. And then in the Michael Cera version, he's just he's he. He's kind of a jerk. He's a slacker to the point he's a jerk. At least the other Scott was a lovable jerk. He might be a guy that grabs your phone when you're not looking, but then he'll just be playing <laughs> games with it until the battery dies. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was I got caught in Candy so, Crush. Land. Yeah, the lovable dick. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's and I feel like the Mike Sierra version, he would grab it. He could, you know, he'd be like, "What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to play Candy Crush," and <laughs> and not see what's wrong with him playing with it. But he would do it right in front of you and be like, "Well, I don't know what else to do. I'm bored." <laughs> you know, kind of come off yeah. as as a not so lovable one, but you know, yeah, there's always your differences, and I. Just looking at the cast list as well, it's shocking the people that were in it, given what they've been in now. Because you've got yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Kieran Culkin, Alison Pill, Anna Kendrick, Brie Larson, Audrey Plaza, yeah. Oscar, Chris Win- Evans, Oscar winner. Yeah. Brandon Oscar. Ralph. Yeah. I mean, there's just a ridiculous number of people that I don't know if... like I. I like to think that everyone involved, if this film was made now, they would still make it, and they would still make it for the amount of money they got then, because it mm-hmm. it looked like just such a a love letter type film. Right. I think this movie it, it either came ten years too early or ten years too late. It just didn't hit its sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, and it 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 became, I think, my second or third favorite film of all time the second i watched it and <laughs> like it really? and i think that unfortunately there's not too many people out there that think the same way i do and therefore yes it definitely took a while to really uh, catch on for a lot of people even though like i went to see it because it was edgar wright and then i saw the trailer for it and i was like okay i'm gonna like this film <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh nah. Yeah, it it did shock me how, I don't want to say badly, but like how not well it did in the cinema at the time. Um, yeah, that did. Yeah, that was odd. <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah. didn't even make its money back in the theater. Like that's yeah, that, crazy it, to think how good this film is. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I'm sure. At least maybe. we won't have a horrible sequel, you know that that that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Less, um, yeah, less is more. Well, uh, that actually is the last thing we tend to ask in this one, which is obviously there is no sequel. So, do you feel like there could be one or should be one? And if you, if you were going to make one, like what would you do, or do you not? Um, I would if I did a sequel to this, it would have to be in the form of a comic book. I feel like it would have to be a comic book sequel um, and not a movie. Um, Or unless you turn the entire series into an actual TV show, which I do think it it would be possible. It's just you would only deal with the next, like maybe every season or half season. And as a bonus story, I would make instead of a, uh, and have another X or have a friend of the X. So he would have to earn the power of acquaintance uh, <laughs> and maybe God. fight him with greeting cards or something. Uh, that was a fan theory when, when they asked uh, that um, there was a big fan theory thing in the comics where they asked people they could come up with a new ex or a new, new enemy. Who would it be? And that was one of the, the fan theories was it would be a friend of somebody and he would have to unlock the power of acquaintance and win the fight with a greeting card. Um, I thought that was pretty pretty nice. So if there was That's a pretty sequel, awesome. it'd have to be like a fifteen minute bonus, you know, a story, not a full length movie. Yeah, I'd <laughs> or like based to... a movie on another character, like maybe Knives Chow or something. Yeah, I'd like to see. I've seen the uh, what was it? It's the the storyboard version mm-hmm. of what happened when Scott met uh, Kim Pine. Um, yeah. Oh, to... yeah. The uh, the Comedy Central mm. Cartoon Network did the little anime of that. That was fantastic. Yeah, I, I think that like just, I think that should just be like somehow theatrically released, and then that's just it. Like just just have a little offshoot rather than a full sequel because you you really do tell Absolutely, the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and I like I don't know I know Paul's familiar, but are you familiar with the the Fantastic series uh, Spaced? The British series? No. Uh, okay. Simon Pegg, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, but, but they did something in, what was it? Is it like the 15th or 20th anniversary, Paul? Has it been that long? Uh, I the, believe it was the 15th when it came out. Yeah, but they did a little tag in the bonus features and updated the characters, and it was like a 
five minute thing. And it was perfect. It was perfect. It like, it just kind of answered any questions out there and it was great that I'd love to see something like that. Yeah. yeah and, it, and yeah, I didn't even know if it was five minutes. I, I thought it was five oh, minutes. Oh, it might've even been, been, yeah, I think I was just trying to make it sound better, but yeah, it's like <laughs> 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was, it, yeah, it did kind of the, the way the show was, it was just perfect that they just kind of tag in a very last thing at the end. So yeah, it was, uh, I can, I can see that. Like that would definitely make more sense, especially with Edgar Wright stuff. I mean, Edgar Wright manages to do such full stories that there's not much room outside right. and, it. And the part of the Edgar Wright influence was the fight with Negascott at the end, and they actually played with the idea uh, because uh, in in Hot Fuzz he got criticized for just. More action, more action. Like when you get to the point where when this is just going to end, like really another fight scene. <laughs> and so they played with So that was actually a joke on the critics at the end for the movie. And it was just brilliant. It was, yeah. it was amazingly done. It was brilliant. But another thing at the end is they actually, uh, uh, O'Malley actually struggled with trying to wonder if Scott should end up with Ramona or, or Knives. Um, even in the book, he struggled with knowing that. So there, he actually flip-flopped a little bit in it. Um, but then, of course, there was the awesome scene in the book where Knives and, and Kim make out. But, you know, you only get that in the book. <laughs> um, oh, damn it. There's a whole lot. It's a total, In the books, it makes sense he ends up with Ramona because it really is all about, you know, uh, uh, a coming-of-age story and learning certain basic morals. Uh, in the movie, they went back to like, maybe we should have them end up with knives because they have that really great connection at the end. Well, and before we move on, my favorite X is the third X. <laughs> I never actually did in this day and Oh, yes. Just, just because, you know, obviously, as I said, I'm a big fan of anime, big fan of that kind of thing, and just this ultra super powered X mm-hmm. that <laughs> just get taken down by the vegan police. Which is a fantastic <laughs> idea. Mm, yeah, <laughs> well, should be a thing. Books, it comes off as even better because they're saying what well, how great he was because he was a vegan. At that point, I don't remember if it was before or after Scott got a job as a uh, sous chef at a vegan restaurant. So they actually don't hold anything against. Uh, uh, Stephen Seals was was the head chef, mm. uh, and, and at that point in one of the books, they actually. Uh, they actually tell you how to make a, a vegan shepherd's pie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, okay. that's the point of having a vegan shepherd pie, but why not? <laughs> and that doesn't that does include the recipe and preparation. The books are amazing, by the way. <laughs> they sound it. There, there was actually a manga that I started reading a while ago. I really need to get back into it. And it's like addicted to curry, and every single uh, every single volume of the manga has a recipe for curry. So, <laughs> uh, and every mm. single every single volume that I read ends with him basically winning by creating a dish that was so delicious that the other person just has to give up and go away. <laughs> no, it's, it, mm. it's completely pointless and just fun. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like when huh. they. Well, I they wish, take the, yeah. I wish I knew there were recipes in these things. I'd be reading comic books and uh, graphic novels more. Uh, yes, I wish I knew. Well, yeah. I once bought a, <laughs> I once bought a, a, a vinyl CD at a concert that came with a recipe for a whiskey pudding. I was, mm. And then I got the whole band to sign it. Oh, <laughs> oh nice. <laughs> yeah. well, and if you listen to the Google, Simpsons episode. Google whiskey pudding. If <laughs> you listen to the end of the Simpsons episode with uh, Paul and Linda McCartney, the the song that plays over the credits. If you play it backwards, it is a recipe for lentil soup. <laughs> <laughs> this has but, been secret recipes by Paul uh, and Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that does sound like a, a joke, new segment coming real. to Blockbusters. <laughs> yes, coming uh-huh. never. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. One episode and done. The pilot yes. did not get picked up. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think we should definitely move on. Then. So, <laughs> so, how about? Oh, no, really? Yes, I know. We get into the murky waters of 
a film that uh, maybe you didn't like so much. And uh-huh. I I want to pick a movie that was similar but just did did it wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, do you guys guess the genre on this or not? No, that there's there's okay. so many different Horrible bad movies. Just... <laughs> okay. So I also wanted to pick a movie that a lot of people like, and it and I just think it's torture for me watching. Which, by the way, I blame you guys for making me watch it again just to refresh my mind. Hey, how hey, horrible hey. it was. I never uh, said you had to rewatch it. You took that no, upon yourself. I feel like if I didn't rewatch it, there would be a lot that I would get wrong when I completely tell you how horrible yeah. it is. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I do sort what? of understand that. I, yeah. I've guessed it on the Soil Dressing Cinema podcast, and yet you do have to watch the terrible film so that you can talk about the terrible film. <laughs> mm. uh, it's another Michael Ciara movie. Okay. Uh, Juno. Juno. Alrighty. That is one that I have never seen and never had any like desire to see. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. I, it, right I'm... now there's a movie trailer going on. Uh, I think it's like The Edge of a Teen and actually lists Juno. I don't know if they list Scott Pilgrim in it, but I know it lists Juno as one of the greatest modern comedies. There's a whole bunch of comedies oh. that pop up saying it's one of the, it, it belongs in this list. I'm like, you're not going to make me go see this by telling me it's like Juno. <laughs> yes, I, I think I've seen that trailer. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, I man. have seen it. Yeah. So, okay. um, yeah. So at least we have someone here that's seen it, but yes, proceed. <laughs> yeah. Part, part of why I chose it was because so many people love the movie and, 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 and it's so bad. It, it, it it's <laughs> bad. It, when people say, I'm like Juno. And I go, you have no personality? Are, are you like, <laughs> just be like the out character? Hmm. <laughs> Yes, it, uh, okay. Yeah. That, that was actually one of the when I first saw the trailer, it was just like so. It is just kind of a, a whiny, just teenager. Just like there's no no attractive quality to these people. That's just kind of meh. I felt just from the trailer. Yeah. Did it get any better in the film? Did they have any real like? They have traits? one. If there's any reason to watch Juno. It's for um, what's his name? Um, Jason Bateman. No, I hate Jason oh. Bateman. <laughs> he, he, All right, well, another reason why the movie's horrible. I I oh honestly God. don't know if there's any movie. Oh no, J.K. Simmons. I like. No, the reason to watch that movie is for J.K. Simmons. He yeah. is an absolutely well, amazing actor. Yeah, you watch anything that guy's in. So, I mean, all I have to say is Jason, you know, J.K. Simmons and Jason Bateman kind of cross each other off on this. Um, (laughs) they cancel each other out they cancel each other out so then we're left left with Michael Sierra which doesn't know what he's doing half the time um, in the movie Um, and then J.K. says hey of course he has the best line of the movie didn't know the kid had it in him (laughs) yeah okay you know, yeah, I, and then I you got of... Ellen Page, which is not memorable. Other, you know, like I didn't remember the actress's name because I didn't think it was worth remembering her name. Wow, um, that's a real shame. She's done some fantastic stuff. So, it's... I, yeah, I think she's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know how many people. Have not seen in her. everything, but you know, right, Inception. Yeah. I thought she was terrific in Inception. I never. So. I'm looking through her list right now. I haven't seen most of these movies, so <laughs> never I... saw Inception. I did uh, X Men. Hard Days. Candy. Oh, yeah. Kitty Pride. She was good in in X Men Days Future Past for Kitty Pride for her one line. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, as Brian said, yeah, Hard Candy, definitely my favorite film by her. It's a fantastic film. It um, is. Yeah, and I she saw that carried idea. it. It's good. Yeah. yeah and, mm-hmm. uh, um, one thing I really hated about the movie was um, about Juno was definitely the soundtrack. Because it made no sense. I, I, it's good music. It's good folk. Mm-hmm. Type yeah, music. you got what Sonic Youth on there, and yeah. Well, they talk about Sonic Youth. They talk about a lot oh, of yeah. alternative rock bands, but they don't actually play them. The music <laughs> itself that they do play is a lot oh, of yeah. a lot of folk inspired uh, uh, rock, but they don't actually play all these rock things that they talk about. 
So it really doesn't make any sense because half the movie is her talking about music. And at the end, they're playing another folk inspired sort of rock song, which is exactly what she would say she doesn't like. So mm-hmm. it doesn't they don't get the characters straight and stay with them. I mean, if it was supposed to be a coming of age movie, we would have saw her her progress. But she never it, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, psycho, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of the character. I just don't understand why people think it's relatable. Um, because the character really isn't who the, I feel like the movie should have focused on the, the mother to be and not Juno. Cause her story was way more interesting than Juno's. Cause as soon as Juno decided to give the baby up, she no, she no longer thought of it as her baby. It was just dealing with, with certain things that they didn't even deal that much into it's almost like why are we why am i even watching this movie other than throw away jokes the entire time Hmm. Uh, (laughs) the juno is a nitpicker's paradise of bad movies (laughs) because there's enough concrete to make fun of it's just all nitpicks because there's nothing concrete in the movie now i do remember really enjoying this film when it came out. Um, so I just want to like put that the out fact. there, right? I, I will own, I will own up Go to that. For it. Yeah. Um, it is in my iTunes cloud, <laughs> which is another, you know, sad admission, but it, it, yeah, it isn't one that has held up for me. Certainly. It was one of those things I was, like I said, initially enamored with, but then the facade kind of falls away for you. Uh, much in the way that like kind of garden state did for me. Like, I thought that was the greatest shit ever. And then I'm like, oh, this is a pilot. What the <laughs> fuck was I thinking? <laughs> so that's where I'm coming from on Judo. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to get my thoughts out there. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you saw it in the theater and it first came out, you'd probably get, you know, maybe a positive image. Then you, after you think about it, sleep on it. Do I watch this once? Yeah, let's watch it again. I remember really enjoying enjoying the ride. And then you realize you already know the movie. There is no ride. It's just this. I nothing this. <laughs> yeah. I, I like Between the idea. one and ten, it's a five because I don't know where to go. <laughs> yeah, it's aggressively I, mediocre. Yeah, that's <laughs> how I like to put it. Yeah. Well, I like the idea that obviously you were saying they talk about music that just isn't in it. Maybe they they had the idea to get all these songs and then when they went to the artist and said, hey, we want to use your music and they watched the film and went, no. <laughs> There's nothing pre-production. They were all about it in pre-production and then they go, oh, this is, like you said, aggressively mediocre. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. We changed our mind. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. How about if you could, if someone came to you with this script or this film and said, fix it, what would you do? Okay, well, I would look at it like, okay, so the character reminds me of Megan Fox. So um, since Megan Fox is a horrible actress, we'll place her with a cardboard cutout. Um, <laughs> and we'll just animate that. Everyone walking around talking to a cardboard cutout, which actually would be a really good uh, um, art piece, I think. Kind of like Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll just make it like a weird art piece, and then you'll at least get to watch it for that. No, I'm horribly <laughs> making a joke here. Um, I would show, you know, it, it would have to give the characters more, you know, make them actual characters. Uh, uh, you know, change uh, Jason Bates' character completely. Um, I like the fact that he's supposed to be someone that Juno uh, uh, can relate to. But that whole flirtatious thing, if they eliminated all that and actually made them the family they were supposed to be, that probably, you know, because there was no need for that drama. In fact, I think that drama actually hurt Juno because if Juno really wanted a better home, she would, you know, she, you know, because she didn't even care about it. Yeah, she, she, she cried, but she cried more or less because he flirted with her and it ruined her, broke her dream, but she still went with it. Because she didn't know what else to do. 
And then she went on with her their life like it never happened, which is kind of sad. Uh, but this is supposed to be a comedy, though. And there's nothing more. Uh, and there's so many nitpicks about this. Like, why is why is the track team running when they're picking up the other people in the track team? There's no point in that. You're supposed to meet somewhere and then you <laughs> run together. So when you're coming out of your house, you're like, oh yeah, that's my team running running past my house. Are, are you just like, are you like their towel manager? Why weren't you there when they started? Yes, nitpickers paradise indeed. <laughs> mm. oh, so, yeah, I, I I would reform the ideas. I would try. To, I you know, I would actually give it a reason because there's no reason this way. I'd get you know, it would need motivations. Um. You know, there's a lot to explore in that movie, which they never touch. Uh, again, got kind of compared to Twilight because there's a ton of great stories in Twilight. We're just not watching them. Um, <laughs> this is not the True. one we're following. Yeah, well, obviously the issue with Twilight is that it is what it is. So, <laughs> yeah, the, and I swear I read this and I, I've never been able to find it again, and no one has ever been able to corroborate it with me. But Stephanie Meyer wrote somewhere that before writing Twilight, she had never seen any vampire films or read yes, any vampire I've novels. Heard <laughs> I've heard that. I I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I have no trouble believing that. Yeah, because I, I well, she originally wrote it as a Harry. Uh, no, was it? No, it wasn't Harry. No, it was uh, uh, a Fifty Shades of Grey fan fiction. Oh dear. And so, oh dear and so she had to change it in order to sell it. <laughs> so so hmm. she took one pile of garbage and then yes. wrote another one. <laughs> okay. Yes. So it was originally Fifty Shades of Grey fan fiction, and then she replaced a bunch of stuff. And now I've never read. Or watch Fifty Shades of Grey, but when I first saw Twilight, the first time I saw the movie, I ended up walking out thinking, "Wow, there was a ton of potential in that movie, but it's but it just wasn't seen." I wonder if the then this is me not knowing anything, by the way, only seeing the movie in the theater with full of people that was well that that received it pretty well. Um, I was like, I don't love this movie, but there's just a ton of potential. And now I'm interested in the book because maybe they misinterpret the book. So I, I, I worked at a comic book store at the time that, that met up every Friday night and then talked about comics and sci-fi movies and stuff like that. And I brought up the, and I brought up Twilight. I'm like, is the book worth, worth reading? Because there was a ton of potential in the movie. And then the one girl in the group looks at me and goes, no, the movie had more action. <laughs> you, you wow. would hate yourself for even attempting to read the book. <laughs> And I took, and I took, and I was like, okay, I'll stay away. And then after learning more, I was like, wow. Cause there was just a ton of potential there and they missed it. And I feel that it's not exactly the same with Juno because I don't, the potential would have been way more, um, we, um, where it's not a movie that's, that's really any action, but it keeps you riveted in drama. It would have been, it would have been less comedy, more drama, maybe more of a dramedy even. Now, one of the things that I think is wrong about Twilight might also be your issue with Juno, which is if you did just replace the lead actress with someone else, someone with you know, maybe a bit more range, do you think that would help either one? With Twilight, yes. With Juno, no. I feel like the writers needed something more to go on. I think there was too much push to make it a comedy and make... Uh, and make the actress be relatable by not being relatable, which was the point of the character in Twilight. By making her a blank page, by making her cardboard, uh, it was <clears throat> so the watcher can put themselves in her position. And I feel like that's what they did with the Juno, because apparently that works. Now with me, I want to, I want to like the character in order to like the character i have to see the character so i would actually make the movie less of a drama uh, less of a comedy and more of a more of a dramedy or more of just straight drama 
like, have you seen the movie? We need to talk about Kevin. I would make the movie a little bit more like that, that it's more of a way more suspenseful and, and based on drama and try to make it a tearjerker. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Isn't, yeah, isn't one of the main plot points in Juno is she she wants to give up the baby, but like, is she either not sure about it or that she runs into issues there? Like, I, I do think that doing a comedy about that is a bit of an odd choice. Yeah, never in the movie does she want to keep the baby. Okay. But they did but the way they made her choose no abortion wasn't what was was kind of a cop out, but it was also funny to watch and all, and it also also showed that she had some sort of a heart or they're pandering to anti abortion, you know, mm. political, who knows? But because they want to, they need her to get into that situation that they wanted. It seems like they had another story they wanted to tell. They just couldn't get to that. And maybe this was just a way to, to sell their movie. Who knows? Yeah. I think there is a good drama in there, but certainly we didn't see it. Like, cause it does deal with a serious issue, but you didn't feel any of that. Yeah. I mean, I think it would have been funnier if they went to the point where they were actually selling the baby on the black market, but then oh again, you don't normally, <laughs> I don't know what is there to laugh about. <laughs> oh, that's what they could do. They could do the Grim Fairy Tales version where they made it just a Rumpelstiltskin movie. That would have sold more too. Cause that's what Rumpelstiltskin was kind of about, right? Uh, kind of selling your baby to, you know, so to prop. Yeah, yeah sure. Prop. That's what Rumpelstiltskin was about. People love fairy tale retellings. Absolutely. So maybe maybe it could be like a, a bait and switch type thing where the first half of the film is without Bateman is leading up yes <laughs> is leading up to what Juno is leading up to and then all of a sudden it just turns into black market baby selling type thing. It's yeah, like, and Bateman would actually make an incredible horrible Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> he would actually be really fun because you couldn't take him seriously, which would be the comedy part. Oh, oh my god! Or yeah. you could always just get. <laughs> wow! I'm just ruining your Jason Bateman for you. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, I still have Teen Wolf two to watch, so that's all right. <laughs> wait, wait, was he in Teen Wolf two? Yeah, he was the yeah he was the lead. Okay, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I like Teen Wolf. <laughs> He yeah, was, you won't. Oh, like that's too. right. He was discount Michael J. Fox because they yes, he was. Hey, couldn't get. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, made about boxing and singing, and I don't remember the rest. Oh, it's fantastic! I recommend the two pack, <laughs> the ten dollar DVD two pack. Yeah, I I managed to get that. I don't believe I've seen Team Wolf <laughs> two. I've seen the first one. Oh, they're a great back to back. I'm I'm sure they are. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, so basically the takeaway from us talking about Juno is you should watch Team Wolf 2. <laughs> I fully endorse that statement. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> watch Team Wolf 1 and 2. That way you get uh, a good mediocre movie and an okay mediocre movie all mm. together. If you discount, you know, you know, instead of Bateman trying to hold his own, he's just a discount Michael J. Fox. I can totally support that. Yeah, absolutely. You, sh- you should... Just do all of the other Michael J. Fox sequels that never happened. Yeah. <laughs> Frighteners 2, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> that is kind of right for a remake or retake, like, sequel type thing, so that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe that could be something we could do in a later episode or something. Trying to come up with the Frighteners 2 script. Fa- oh, I- oh, let's do it. Yeah. I'm in for it. All Trademark. Right. <laughs> can we trademark that? Yeah, it's just yeah, we don't have an idea yet. Okay, I, I, I believe we can say patent. Edit this out, Paul. Sure. We got to work on this. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm gonna leave it. In. <laughs> ah, oh, so you can do what I do with my podcast. I'll edit out the version I put on. Uh, I put out because uh, I put out them on both audio and video format, and then I keep the and I keep everything in together in the director's cut. Which will eventually I'll have a place to put the director's cuts. Um, probably, um, probably a Patreon. 
Yeah. Um, and then, then if people want to see me argue, you know, or at least have the, those weird discussions with my co-hosts and go completely off topic talking about gaff tape, uh, then they can watch the Patreon versions, which would be the director's cut. <laughs> yeah, that, I've, I, think, I, I think I still have all of the raw files from our recordings just somewhere on this computer. So I, I could just shove them all somewhere and then see if anyone's at all interested. The answer's probably no, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. No. <laughs> There's just a whole bunch of, I'm sorry, can I hear you? Can you hear me? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Which would make a great dubstep remake if you really want to spend the time. Just every time someone says that, just just make a remix and and, and dubstep it all. <laughs> you, you would have a hit on your hands. Yeah, although I think by what the the third or fourth time that happens, I would just have like a record scratch and be okay. Enough of that. Just carry on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... Ah, Jason Bateman was in Matlock. Now I know what happened to that series. <laughs> uh, did you did you see the gift at all? Did you not like him? No. Gift? Did not no, see the gift. You didn't see it? Okay. No. I thought he was pretty good in that, but... Yeah. I'm not a Bateman apologist, just... <laughs> I've liked him in a couple <laughs> things. <laughs> I'm not going all out, Bateman, here. Um, yeah. I, I remember turning off. I remember wanting to like sliders. I remember really wanting to like sliders. Oh, they're delicious. They're just the little hamburgers. They're perfect. Not the hamburgers. <laughs> I <laughs> wondered if you were gonna go for that. Uh, it was low hanging fruit, yes, but it's. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Sliders is Gary O'Connell. The, the, the other Jason Bateman. Yeah, the, the, the cheaper version of Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Uh, Kevin, yeah. you pretty much just swap uh, uh, Kevin O'Connor and Jason Bateman just have the same <laughs> I bet they have both beaten each other out for a lot of parts uh, yeah. yeah yeah. I I have that every now and again with uh, a couple of actors and of course I can't remember off the top of my head but, uh, okay. can you just replace um, every Bateman and a Kevin O'Connor movie with uh, uh, Kevin e. Hall <laughs> Uh, uh, um, you mean Jerry? Jerry O'Connor, him too. Yeah, Jerry O'Connor. <laughs> Replace Jerry O'Connor and and Jace and Jason Bateman with a uh, Michael C. Hall in all their movies, and then oh. it'll be a better place. Oh my God! Thank yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm about it. <laughs> yeah, that's a better. And why we're at, we'll just have Neil Gaiman write every single movie? Yeah, that's what I want to see. I want to see. A Juno movie written by Neil Gaiman. <laughs> hmm. okay. Okay. Ooh, that might, yeah. Paul, I think that has to be a new question um, for these. Who do you, who would you have rather have seen the direct, direct the film you hated? Well, like, who would have like a Wes Anderson version of this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, there you go. Can we get the Tim Burton movie? Oh, no, 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 no. The Quentin Tarantino version of this. <laughs> That's crazy. That was true romance. <laughs> Why are you too much talk in this movie? We don't need talk about what kind of pipe smoke you're using. <laughs> well, no, there's not enough uh, racial slurs, I think. You need to have no, a few. Yeah, yeah. You can't play the N-word drinking game with that. Yeah. Uh, come on. Uh, Okay, we probably should. <laughs> we probably should cut that part out, Paul. <laughs> no, no, this is gold. I'm leaving it. Oh, oh you know, uh, actually, you... would have been a great writer director of Juno. Um, um, the guy that did uh, the Breakfast Club in Pretty Pink. Um, oh, John Hughes. Uh, John Hughes. Yeah. John Hughes. If Juno hmm. was a John Hughes movie, that that probably would have been good. Hmm. I can see that. Didn't uh, didn't he do one of those? I feel like I don't know. Maybe I feel like he really touched closely on this. Um, I I know Molly Ringwald did uh, uh, the Secret Life of American Teenager, which is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't. Uh, you no, know, he did. Uh, She's having a baby uh, with Kevin Bacon. He also did 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was yeah that was like un- unprepared. Yeah, 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, completely yeah. relatable to Juno. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, she's having a baby. They're unprepared parents, so that's. I mean, 
That's pretty close. Okay. I think we know why no one's seen it because this is not a great topic for for <laughs> comedy. It's not great. Yeah, it's not what his. It's no Ferris Bueller. I'll give it that. Yeah, I'll give yeah. it that. Yeah. Okay. Which is another now. film that Paul does not like. Yeah, I know. That's why I chose Ferris Bueller. Paul. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, we really do need to wrap up. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, please, just eighteen more tangents. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, we need to uh, talk about the best slider. Which slider would have represented this movie? I'd go with the uh, Nutella with um, <laughs> oh, yeah, the the Nutella and uh and marshmallow uh slider. That that mm. I think that would go best with with Juno. Uh, Arby's corned beef. Place slider. that makes those, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like the uh, actually like the jalapeno one from Arby's. That's, uh, uh, that's very nice one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and everyone listening outside of America has no idea what we're talking about. Right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Arby's, for your continued sponsorship. Yeah, uh, and okay, one last tangent. I swear, uh, the <laughs> the Red Robin advert. I don't know if you've seen the one where they go to England and they're trying to get the guard to respond, and the way they do it is to go Red Robin. So he goes yum. Red Robin doesn't <laughs> exist in England, so that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> in one of my wow. videos, I actually have about. You know, I do a lot of zombie events, and I and I did do yell Red Robin uh, while filming one of the zombie walks. So you just see like a hundred zombies, you know, shambling down a major street. Go yum, <laughs> and I also do that with Subway all the time. But instead of saying eat fresh, they always say eat flesh. Well, of course. <laughs> uh, although, please tell me they do it in the John Lovitz voice. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Oh, let's just talk about John oh, Lovitz movies. What happened to him? I was just telling my girlfriend ah. to watch High School High. <laughs> oh man, okay. him and the the wedding singer too. Greatest. Oh game yeah. Oh god, they're ass. <laughs> We're gonna make this very difficult for you to edit. <laughs> and the best part of Grown Ups too, I'll have you know. Um, okay. Not a high bar to reach, mind you, but he nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> What's the line? Like, I'm having a good time. <laughs> and yes. again, I haven't seen Grown Ups 2, but, but I have listened mm. to the worst idea of all time. <laughs> so there we go. All right. All right. <clears throat> yes, seriously now. <laughs> so what, why don't you... We can't let Paul do this. We can't let him do it. Let's keep going. I'm, I'm sorry. I have responsibilities I need to get to. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, and not you, Brian, before you jump in. Well, okay, go ahead. They can find me at toden.com, youtube.com, backslash K. I'm also on the podcast, Media Litter Sandwich, so you can find that at MediaLitterSandwich.com, or with Pod Bros, of course, because we're all of Pod Bros, right? Yay! Um, You can find all our stuff at Pod Bros. I believe I'm the only podcast on Pod Bros that is also video. So you can download the audio, but if you want to actually watch us uh, on video, you can do that as well. Um, so, yeah, I do a lot of uh, not just do the podcast. It's all about being a media creator with photographers and graphic arts people also providing commentary. But I also do a lot of live events. I was just at Yoma Khan doing an anime one and do a lot of zombie events as well. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I need to catch up on some of your videos. Uh, you know, I haven't had much free time recently. But, uh... <laughs> they, they are family friendly, so you don't have to worry about putting on uh, headphones. We make that a priority to uh, <laughs> make sure you can listen to them without putting on headphones when your kids are around. Okay, so not like this show then. Gotcha. Yeah, we cannot say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we when we put out director's cuts, they'll you know that's why those aren't going to go on the YouTube channel itself. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Yes, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, and if you do want to come on one of the regular episodes as well, just let us know. We'll try and work it out. Just send me the invite. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. It's there. 
Yes, it that, has been <laughs> that that was the invite. <laughs> it's a verbal Which contract. It's like without any reference to Jason Bateman. Mm. Uh, hmm. oh, uh, watch, you're gonna send me like uh, a Photoshop gift, Jason Bateman with like with with kissy marks all over. Please come on on our show. We, you know, <laughs> Jason Bateman paint out yeah, flowers. I, like, really appreciate it. Uh, I mean, we normally do give out Jason Bateman signed photos to our guests, but uh, yes, uh, I guess we'll make signed by us. It's, it's really weird. <laughs> yeah, they're just autographed by us, not Jason Bateman. Yes, no, so they're uh, quite rare. Yeah, yeah. They are indeed. They're even rarer than Jason Bateman's I tried to. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Right. So we'll discuss the Bateman slider. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. What kind of bacon? Cheese. Maybe turkey bacon? Yeah, something mm. makes sense. Turkey bacon. Because all his movies are turkeys. Oh, right. <laughs> All right, now back to what you guys wrapped up. I think that was the death knell you just heard. All right, <laughs> All right well, in that case, trying to wrap this up before it goes even further down the drain. <laughs> so, obviously, so you found out where you can find him. You can find us on Twitter at blokebuster, facebook.com slash blokebusters. You can email us blokebusterpodcast at gmail.com because Muggins here forgot the second S. And we're also on Instagram, sort of. Mm. We've, we've got stuff mm-hmm. on there. I'm <laughs> not very good at keeping it up to date. And we do have a website, blokebusters.web.com, that I'm currently in the middle of revamping, sort of, which will probably take me about a month. So there we go. <laughs> and with all that being said, I've been Paul. I've been Brian. Bye, Brian.